Tim, do you have a bird in your room? No, my window's <laughs> open. Sorry about this. Okay, <laughs> wow. This is go. incredibly loud for birds. There's like, there's like a bird house like right outside. It's a ah. pain in the morning. It's I hear, <laughs> I hear wind chimes. I hear birds. Ah. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich remained top of the Bundesliga table with just five games left after their 4-1 win over Fortuna Dusseldorf but they lost a few players in the process. We're here to talk about that match, along with some news and transfer rumors from the past week. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm joined by my two friends, Tim Richards. Hi. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed neither of you um, said something super enthusiastic in, in place of Garrett, who uh, yeah, well, always has yeah, something to say for us. So. Uh, he's not with us this week. I really wish he right. was. Um <laughs> But yeah, like I said, Bayern Munich beat Fortuna Dusseldorf on Sunday 4-1. Kingsley Coman scored twice, Serge Gnabry scored one, and then Leon Goretzka in extra time tucked away the fourth. Um, There's not really a whole lot to talk about the game. It was just a really good display from Bayern, but there are still uh, some talking points. And so I want to start off looking at one one man's performance in particular, and that's Kingsley Coman. Uh, he He had an undeniably great game, two goals, just an overall great performance. Um, and we've talked about him a lot this season, uh, specifically you, Tim. You've been kind of critical uh, of him uh, saying that Serge Gnabry has been the pr- better performer in terms of wing play this season. Um, do you think the game that we saw from Coman on Sunday, is that the type of performance we need to be seeing from him week in, week out to make sure that you're, for him to show that he is, you know, Bayern quality? To an extent, yeah. Uh, I, I this is, a, in my mind, I'm always going to be critical because, you know, it's difficult to change your mind so quickly because this is one performance out of out of many, although, of course, he has been injured, so you've got to take that into account. Um, it's, it's good to see him getting on the score sheet. It's good to see his name on there twice. Um, however, I think his first goal, I think we largely have to put that down to Muller, despite the fact that he, you know, he didn't get a touch to it, but he did enough to put off the keeper, so it just went straight in. Um, his second goal was, uh, I, I guess you can call it a tap in, but it was it was still a good finish. So I, I can't take that away from him. Um, I was reading some quotes from Kingsley Coman earlier, and he said that he's that he knows that he's still quite a long way away from being world class, which is good that he has that sort of awareness that you he can do better. Because um, earlier in the in this interview that he had given, he said, "I'm not the next Frank Ribery," and well, explicitly, that does mean I am not as good as Frank Ribery. It it can also mean like, oh, I'm I'm like a completely different player. Um, I I think there is still quite a long way between, you know, when Ribery was at his best and and what Coman is currently set to become. Um, with that being said, it's still good to see him perform well. Yeah, and that first goal may, you know, obviously have been on Muller for doing so much of the work there, but even then, Coleman would have had an assist, and so, you know, overall, it, it was a really good display, um, and I think, you know, like you said, it, sometimes it is a bit unfair uh, for him and Nabry both that they're coming in right behind the two best wingers that Bayern Munich have ever had uh, in Arjen Robin and Frank Ribery, so the comparisons are obviously going to be made um, going to that interview. I think it shows a good bit of maturity from him. Uh, for him to say what he says, that he wants to be his own player. 
And but on top of that, to recognize that he still has a long way to go um, before before he reaches that level. So there were reports last week that uh, him and Lewandowski had been fighting and training. So maybe maybe they just need to be doing that a little bit a little bit more often to get his play to the next level. Um, maybe that had something to do with it. Another interesting talking point from Sunday's game, uh, Sebastian, is that Niko Kovac stuck with the exact same starting eleven that had decimated Dortmund the weekend prior. Do you think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of this exact eleven for the majority of the matches uh, until that from now to the end of the season? Yeah, I think there's a relatively high chance of that. Uh, I think that's okay, but I think in combination with uh, having to substitute Anoya. Uh, in the, in the, in the last game and bringing Goretzka and Hamas on, I did not especially like it because there are different players, yeah, who I, who I would have enjoyed seeing more of, and and I hope, uh, yeah, start having the same starting eleven is not going to get in the way of that too much because that that would really be frustrating. Yeah, I, I think uh, there are many, so many positions there where uh, I'm sure Kovac is going to stick with uh, what we have been seeing now. I don't see any substitutes for Lewandowski. I don't see really any substitutes for Kimmich or Zule or Alaba or Javi Martinez or Thiago or Gnabry or Koman or Müller, really. Maybe Boateng is going to get a start uh, if, he's, uh, if, he, if he's ready or... Um, <clears throat> yeah. I guess that's the most realistic thing I, I, I can see there. Obviously, we are, we are probably going to see Ulreich. <laughs> I, <Right>. I guess <laughs> uh, that, that's one thing. But yeah, I, I expect Kovac to pretty much stick with this 11 as far as he can. Well, yeah, you hinted at it, Sebastian. Um, Manuel Neuer went down in the game against uh, Dusseldorf. I think it's a muscle tear is what he said. He had this whole press conference today that was really just kind of strange that we didn't know exactly what was going on there. I thought he may be announcing his retirement, and he just basically gave an injury update and says he's out for four weeks. Um, Mats Hummels is also out for at least this weekend, I believe. Um, so like you said, Jerome Boateng may get his chance to fill in. And uh, one thing that I don't think we've talked about yet on this podcast uh, is is the whole Mammal Neuer situation. Um, given his rather dreadful injury record over the past few years and just his overall decline as a goalkeeper uh, do you think it's time we start looking for his successor Tim to an extent yeah although there's a good I guess it's going to be my trademark of the day to an extent yes but um, I, I personally don't know how good a keeper Christian Fruchtel is of what I've read he's very good. Some people have described him as a generational talent, um, but whether or not that is a case of, oh, he's the next Manuel Neuer because he trains with Manuel Neuer. Obviously, that's going to help him. Um, like he's in a, a better position than, say, I don't know, uh, Thomas Kraft was maybe. Um, I, th- I th- you know, if we're just looking at what the fans and people that have seen him play say, then yeah, we don't necessarily need to find. A successor to Neuer, um, and I think it's kind of a, a one of the blessings and curses of having somebody who's in a quite a specialist position that is at one point the best at what they do. Um, I, I remember I've spoken about this before with Lewandowski. You don't really want to have to replace somebody that at one point is the best number nine in the world with 
the next best nine in the world. Like it's a very difficult, that's a very difficult chain to go down. And last season with Ulrich in goal for virtually every single game, bar one or two, he did fine. Okay, one big mistake against Real Madrid aside. Otherwise, it was a very, it was a solid display. It's not necessarily a case of Bayern need to have the best goalkeeper in the world. They just need somebody that can definitely do it. And I think Ulrich can do it. Um, but yeah, that, that mistake against Real Madrid is probably like a big, like a, a bit of a red flag for some people. But I think you kind of have to look past that to see that, you know, for the most part, our selection of goalkeepers is pretty solid. What are your thoughts on the matter, Sebastian? Yeah, uh, I, I guess I would really hate uh, if we would be forced to get a new goalkeeper in the next offseason. Uh, in the summer that would be awful but i pretty much agree with what tim said there i don't think we really would need to get someone else even if manuel neuer retired now or very soon because i think uh sven ulreich is pretty capable of doing the job and i also very much agree that fruchtel is as uh, is good enough uh, so we should give him a chance at least we should try to see what we have with him and we obviously we haven't seen anything at all of that uh, as yet so uh, yeah I think it would be a bad situation either in the summer or maybe next summer or something like that to yeah be to, to be uh, signing a goalkeeper then because what would have been the point of even having Fruchtel there uh, if we are never going going to yeah try try to see uh, what he can do and what he can't do. Mm. I guess I, I would have said at the beginning of the season or even the winter, I guess, that I don't see Manuel Neuer retiring uh, in the near future. And I guess I would have said that I'm pretty happy with not seeing him retire in the near future. After this whole deal with the press conference, I'm a bit confused. I, I don't I don't know what to think about that right now. I guess this must be the season of the ill-advised uh, press conferences. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Was that really what he was trying to do there? Was that worth the bother of having this press conference, getting the media all uh, all worked up about it? And I don't know. My, uh, my, my first... My first thought when I heard that that this press conference would be happening was okay maybe maybe he he just doesn't want to maybe his heart isn't isn't there anymore for play, playing football at this level. I thought that that was my first idea because with all with all with all the injuries and with his performance not being uh, uh, what we have seen in yeah all those years with him at Bayern that that was basically my idea. Because I could not imagine, th yeah, the the reason for this press conference being something as small as, yeah, what it, what it looks like it was now. So my, my my thought at this point is maybe he was maybe he planned to say something bigger and then he yeah got cold feet and thought okay I, I, I'm not going to do it I'm not going to do it I'm just saying uh, saying those uh, little things and yeah. Act, act like uh, this is what this has been about all along, and, that, and now right now I'm, I'm questioning. I'm, I'm really questioning 
if if he really wants to still play football at this level, if he still has the dedication, if his if his heart is still in it, uh, and that's my big fear there. And if it is not, I mean, we really have to uh, think about what we're going to do there. I guess I would be happy with Ulreich for a while. I have always been a fan of Sven Ulreich, kind of because I used to live uh, I used to live in Stuttgart actually, where where he played uh, before he, he came to Bayern. Mm. And he had a hard time there, actually. I think he played very, very well there. But, yeah, the fans at some point didn't really support him anymore. There were a couple of coaches who didn't completely support him while he was really very talented. And I think he was, for for, uh, for Stuttgart, he was really a very great goalkeeper. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I could be fine with have, having Sven Ulreich for a, for a while. Yeah, but we would definitely need to look for the bigger solution at some point then or looking... Trying to see if it's Fruchtel or not. Going back to the press conference, Sebastian, I think, yeah, I agree with you completely. It's really confusing um, because everyone says that this press conference had been planned for a while. So you know from the very beginning that when this was initially planned, it wasn't just going to be an injury update because he wasn't going to be injured at that point in time. So it definitely is it definitely is suspicious, uh, and it seems as if he did have something else he wanted to talk about and kind of maybe opted out at the last minute um as for you know maybe his heart not being in it you I don't think we could blame him for that for one thing because you know after you go through two whole years two broken foots you know two whole year sidelines breaking your foot twice um after you recover from that suffering from more and more nagging injuries I don't think you could blame him for wanting to go out you know right now and not damage his body more and more um, and it'd be one thing if he was still, you know, unquestionably the best goalkeeper putting in, you know, those type of performances that we saw in 2014, 15, uh, 16, for example. But, I mean, he's just really not there right now. And, and you do have to question, you know, what's going on with him. Um, as for the solution, I think I would agree with both of y'all that Sven Ulreich and then Christian Fruchtel working him in is, is the way to go. I saw today that we're kind of being linked with Shaka, uh, Shaka's Alexander Nubel, and I just don't see the I don't see the point in that if we've got Christian Fuchtel already waiting because Nubel's like 22, so he's still really young himself, and he's not going to uh, immediately come in and be in the first team. So I don't think there's any need in you know unless we're bringing in someone that's like David de Gea level good, uh, then. Just stick with Ulreich until Fructo is ready. Uh, I, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I think Ulreich, at, at, right now, Ulreich is better than, than Nübel. So uh, he is not going to help us right now. And also, I don't, don't see why we should think he's got more talent than Fruchtel. So if he neither is if he's neither better than Ulreich right now, nor has more talent than Fruchtel, what's the, what's the point there? Mm-hmm. I think rumors of... Um, Alexander Nubel going to Bayern probably coming from the fact that he's he had a string of matches like a string of first team matches with Schalke because was it um, Farman Fairman um, he Fairman. was kind of yeah he was I, I won't do it I'll just assume that I got, I got it wrong first go um, <laughs> but yeah I think the fact that he kind of fell out of favour for one reason or another that instantly puts uh, Nubel's stock like so much higher. And then if he then comes out of the team thinking, oh, this um, prodigal kid, he, he needs to play. He's going to go somewhere else in the Bundesliga. I think it's just a matter of, of kind of journalists assuming like 
oh, this has happened, therefore this will happen. Um, and now I'm kind of on a very anti-journalist like <laughs> tirade at the moment. So. Yeah, and it's also opportunistic that this comes out the day after Neuer talks about it or gets injured and talks about his injury. So um, yeah. I'm not putting much stock in the rumor. I'm just kind of using that as an example of um, something that I don't think that we should do when we already have you know yeah. different players mm. in the ranks and waiting. Um, but since we are on the topic of transfer rumors, I'm going to talk about one winger who has been pretty heavily linked with Bayern. Basically, the one name for the wings that's been heavily linked with Bayern that's not Callum Hudson-Odoi, uh, and that's Nicolas Pepe. And he led Lille. Uh, my French isn't great, so hopefully I got that somewhat right. Lille to a 4-1 win over PSG uh, this past weekend. He scored a goal. He assisted two more. And apparently Bayern had their scouts there watching him. Um, so my question is, and I'll go to Sebastian because I know you've talked about him a bit. At this point, should he be Bayern's top wing candidate or maybe just the top candidate that we have left, you know, considering that we've already secured, you know, two signings for the defense? Huh, I guess uh, that depends on at least two things. Uh, first, uh, the question if you consider Timo Werner a, as a winger or not. Uh, and also the question if you can consider Havertz uh, an option and if you consider him a, a, a winger or not. So, yeah. Hudson Odoi seems to be out of the question, at least for the summer. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, I I would, uh, yeah, ra- ra- rather have Timo Werner uh, over him. But that said, yeah, if you don't consider Timo Werner uh, an, a complete option for the wing, I guess Pepe, Pepe would be really great. But, yeah, the price tag is going to be higher, it seems now, than for Timo Werner. I, I did not expect that. I think when we talked about this in, I don't know, a couple of month, months ago, uh, uh, certainly. Uh, I think it was during the winter break, right? Or somewhere around that time, at least. Then I thought that Pepe is certainly going to come cheaper than Timo Werner. And, yeah, this ha- has changed completely now. Uh, what I'm hearing, uh, Pepe is going to cost like 80 million. That, that's the talk, I think, right now. And Timo Werner yeah. is going to cost like uh, maybe 40, 50 million mm-hmm. because because of the short contract. So uh, that's, I guess, my most important point there that I would uh, definitely take Werner over him because of the price tag, because of him being German. But other than that, uh, yeah, I think Pepe. Is, could, could, is rightfully our number one candidate behind Timo Werner or, yeah, additionally uh, to Timo Werner, however you want to, yeah, consider them wingers or not. I think, um, despite, you know, what all we what we all want, I think Kai Havertz is probably out of the question for this summer um, based on probably. everything that we're seeing and what, what Leverkusen are saying. So, I don't know, I think I might would say that Pepe should be a a target over Ver- uh, Werner, um, mostly because Pepe adds something that to the team that we don't necessarily have already. A, ta- a very, very talented left-footed winger um, and someone who's m- more naturally a winger than he is uh, a striker, whereas Werner's more comfortable playing up top. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Lille do want $80 million for him, and I think that can also be seen as a good thing. Because since we've talked about, or since you brought his his name up first, you know, several months back, he's only gotten better. And the you know, definitely, yeah. The more games he plays and scores goals and assists, the more that he proves that he is the real deal. 
And, you know, a lot of people, one thing that's kind of confused me is that a lot of people have kind of doubted him or saying that he's not, mm-hmm. he's not Byron quality. I can kind of see it, but, you know, after this past weekend, when you dominate PSG like that, uh, I think that that pretty much proves that you're ready to take the next step. And it needs to be a top, top team, mm-hmm. not a, you know, second tier team. And so, you know, I think that he's probably, or he probably should be our top um, target. And I also kind of think Werner's got a deal in place already. So I think he's <laughs> he's as good a, a Bayern Munich player as it gets right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I, th- I don't think it would, have, uh, it would be a case of Pepe or Timo Werner. I think, as, as we both said, there is quite evidently something going on with Werner as well um but yeah there there are a lot of comments of our oh, higher-ups at Bayern don't really rate Nicolas Pepe or like I think like a, a number of fans have said oh he doesn't quite have what it takes in my mind he's already better um and has better numbers than than both Nabry and and Coman so if Bayern are in a position where they can get him in Somebody that isn't okay. He's not as good as Ribery and Robin. Of of course, he's not. Like that's a like you need to do something outrageous and have like the next big thing. But I think what Pepe would bring to Bayern is you know another goal scoring threat and and pace out wide. At the moment, we have that in in Nabry and sometimes in Coman. But if we can get it almost as not necessarily guarantee, but you know, more likely to score from from wider positions, then you know I would I would more than welcome that. As for whether or not he would cost eighty million, I don't think money seems to be too much of a problem for Bayern at the moment. So if it is another eighty million, then great. Like we've just done it on a on a fullback and and centre back. So yeah, keep it going. And I think one reason maybe we haven't heard more about Pepe than we have is because. Uh, a couple weeks back, Lille's either coach or sporting director, something like that, came out and said they wouldn't negotiate with anyone or talk about Pepe until the end of the season. So um, if that's the case, then Bayern's not able to uh, secure the transfer in the manner that they like to, kind of under the table, several, several weeks and months before the transfer window is open. So maybe that's why we haven't seen more about him or more from, you know, talking about Bayern and him. But I think that Byron definitely have to have their eyes on him. I mean, he seems too perfect of a candidate um, to come and play that right-wing position, kind of take over from Arjen Robin. Um, and so I think we'll see more of him in the coming weeks. Um, one thing, this isn't exactly a transfer rumor, but uh, Ajax beat Juventus yesterday in the Champions League quarterfinals. Just thought we should mention that. No, I'm kidding. Um, at this point, at this point, Surely the name Eric Ten Hag has to be a point of discussion in Munich. So it's not really a transfer rumor for a player, but for a coach. Um, if we bail on Kovac, should that you know be a thought? Do you think Eric, Eric Ten Hag has to be the number one name on the list, Sebastian? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's quite easy, I think, because uh, yeah, I have, we have been talking about this. There are really no names out there that we would be happy getting as a coach. Or happier than having Kovac, so there's really there has been a lack of candidates for a, a year or even more, uh, where you would say, all right, yeah, we, we, it, it, it just doesn't work. There are, I think the the real candidates that have been out there are Klopp, 
and Löw. I could imagine both of them trying their hand at Bayern. But yeah, both are not going to happen in the near future. So that's that. Mm. And I think Ten Hag is pretty much far far above uh, the competition. Uh, yeah, because he speaks he speaks uh, Dutch, which is pretty much German. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess people people kind of know that. If you know Dutch, you pretty much understand what what German people say. Not not so much the other way around, <laughs> but yeah. Even 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 if he doesn't know a word of German, which which I don't even know. Uh, so if he has never tried to speak German, if he has never learned any German really, uh, he would still be able to pick it up very very quickly. And I think that's that's still an important an important point. And that's uh, yeah, w- what he has and what all those other names who are brought up don't have, like I don't know Conte and uh, Zidane, uh, which is obviously off the table right now, but. Anyway, Mourinho, yeah, that's that's what he ha- uh, surely has on them, and yeah, surely he picked up at least some in his two years with uh, coaching the second division side, or the, side, the second team rather. Probably, yeah. But Tim, even if he hadn't, it would not be a problem. That was right. kind of the point there. Tim, you've always been staunchly Kovac Kovac in. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ten Hag? I'm more warming to the idea of Ten Hag than I am to the idea of Zidane and and Conte. Um, there's something about the way that he can he doesn't seem as as brash or arrogant as as I don't even think that Conte seemed arrogant. I think he was just very passionate. Um, but other managers, there's nothing about Ten Hag that is like he's going to get in your face and he's going to be like, oh, look at me, you know, like walking to the uh, to the fans and like pumping his fists in, in triumph. Like I'm not going to name any names here, but it's always just a bit, it just seems a bit forced when when managers do that. Um, as a personality, he seems, he seems great. As a manager, he seems even better. Um, then again, he is also benefiting from a very very good Ajax squad like people say oh it's just a bunch of youngsters it's like probably the best bunch of youngsters imaginable like there's a reason why players like um like Frankie de Jong are going for so much money and and De Ligt are going to be is probably going to be going for a similar amount um he has incredible players at his disposal but by the same time you can he anybody can have incredible players at their disposal at their disposal and not do anything with it. The fact that he is able to capitalize um and you know introduce introduce youth into the team. It's like yesterday he played two people that had never played in the Champions League before in a quarter final game against a team with, you know, the Champions League player in it. That's a big deal. I I I couldn't imagine any other manager in the world maybe doing that, except for somebody at at Ajax, I know that um, Peter Bosch, I think he did it a couple of times in the lead up to their Europa League final run. Um, but he's he's got an idea of what he wants to do, and he is able to do that at Ajax. I don't know whether or not that's going to be able, like that sort of freedom is going to translate to to Bayern if he does go. Obviously, this is all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would I would be interested in it. However, I'm very much against the idea of sacking somebody that's, you know, still in prime position to win the double 
because it was like when going off about United here, but when Louis van Gaal bought silverware to United, he then got sacked two days after. And I was like, how can you do that to a guy that's just won you a trophy? You know, okay, it was the, what was it, like the Community Shield or, or something like that. It might have actually been the FA Cup. But he he bought a trophy to Old Trafford, which, you know, they hadn't had happened since Fergie left. And then they just, they showed him the door. Uh, I would be furious if the, if the Bayern manager had won uh, either the league or the cup. You know, I'm I'm hoping for the double. But if he wins either of those and then is sacked so that they can say, OK, we're going to get this guy in now. Like, OK, for all of his flaws, Kovac can still win more titles than Ancelotti did. So, you know, it would be great to see Ten Hag at Bayern, but I think I still want to, like, wait a little bit. I guess it's so it's so tempting right now because Ten Hag brings to the table uh, what what we miss the most in Kovac. Uh, he's prepared to play the young players. He's going to give them chances. Uh, yeah, he's not afraid. He, I think it looks better. He looks better from our perspective because that he, he brings exactly the stuff, the 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 few things really we don't like in Kovac, and he. Yeah, he just does the opposite. He does in in this in this respect what we would like. So, yeah, I was going to bring that exact same thing up. Um, and like you said, Tim, I'm still supporting Kovac 100. But I can see the board um, being very enticed by what they see with Ten Hag, especially with him playing the young players uh, and us kind of being in a transition. I can see them looking at him and and not wanting to miss out on him going to you know another one of Europe's top clubs. And so just jumping ship on Kovac and, and bringing in Ten Hag as quickly as they can. Um, whether or not that'd be the right thing to do, you know, you just, you gave all the reasons why it wouldn't. And uh, like you, and we still don't know how this season will end. There's obviously still a chance we don't win any trophies. Um, and there's a chance we win a double. So it's all speculation between now and then. But I just thought we needed to bring up uh, Eric Ten Hag with, you know, Ajax now being in the Champions League semifinals this year, which is very impressive uh, for Ten Hag and everyone on that team. Another change of personnel, not necessarily change of personnel, I should say maybe an addition of personnel uh, in the backroom staff could be bringing in Max Eber from Borussia Mönchengladbach, bringing him to the club. I uh, saw a rumor in Sport Build saying that he might come in. I think they were saying to take over one of the seats on the board um, and I guess maybe insinuating that he is part of the replacement for either Uli Honus or Karl-Heinz Rummenigge in the coming years. So was I reading that correctly, Sebastian? Yeah, as I, as I understand it, uh, and from his job description at, uh, in, at Gladbach, <clears throat> I think he's, he would pretty much be a replacement of the old, old Honus role. Uh, I, think, I think that's the idea there. Uh, and I think it's it's a pretty interesting idea. There had been talk about this uh, earlier. I don't know when that was, maybe two years ago or something like that. It has been a while. And at that point, it sounded like Ebal was not really thinking about it. And if it would not really be an option, at least that's uh, how I remember it. And that's what I had in mind, what I remembered. Yeah, but, but I think Ebal is one of the few options uh, for... Uh, for that position or for the old Hoeneß position. Uh, yeah, 
that that I think could make sense. Um, he has a he has a he has history uh, at the club. I think he has kind of the right mentality. I can see that. Mm, he, he I think he yeah he has the kind of confidence, but a kind of yeah could be the kind of guy that I could could imagine see, seeing at Bayern in a role like that. Mm. Yeah, I think I brought up uh, Reuter before. He, I, I think those are basically the two options uh, out of all the active uh, managers managers in the German sense that are right uh, in the Bundesliga right now that I could see at Bayern Munich. And, of course, an important question would be what does that mean for Salihamidzic? Probably it would mean yeah, the end of his role at Bayern, I guess. Like with uh, Kovac, I think Salihamidzic has maybe earned himself a little bit more respect with how we now have Pavard coming in, Hernandez, and it's looking very positive that we'll get Werner. And, you know, we just talked about Pepe, so I, I wouldn't like pushing him out. And I don't think they will because they've yeah. always talked mm-hmm. about, you know, their support for him no matter what. So I was just wondering maybe if he would take on a role above Salihamidzic or... <sighs> Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Uh, I think that that would be good, but from I think from what Hasan Salihamidzic has said, it's not really an option for him. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that that's it. I mean, it has been kind of a strange strange discussion because, yeah, at, at Bayern, Uli Hoeneß's role or the part he, he I mean he's still kind of the manager. Right now, he still has many of those duties. So, I guess it's not not unthinkable to have to have a manager in the German sense and also have the role have the role Hasan Salihamidzic Hasan Salihamidzic is uh, filling right now. Yeah, but but I think uh, from uh, from what I heard uh, from Salihamidzic, I think he doesn't want that. I think he sees himself as having a larger role in the future. Uh, and I think he specifically said, uh, yeah, it's hard to translate. Uh, yeah, he said if it, uh, he won't he won't work under mm-hmm. another Sportvorstand. So a member of the board uh, focusing on the sports side of things. And I think that would uh, would be able in the, in that situation. So I think it would technically be possible. But I don't think Salihamidzic would want it and would accept it. Well, one final bit of uh, news or rumors for this week. Um, Bayern Munich are looking into a loan for Renato Sanchez for next season, according to Christian Falk. Tim, do you think this be the right decision for the club to, to loan Sanchez? Or would be be better off keeping him, making him a part of our team here, or just cutting ties with him and going ahead and selling him? I want nothing more than this guy to do well. Like, it's just... it's so frustrating to see somebody desperately trying to impress and not be given a like not be given more opportunity to um i think he should be sent on loan not to swansea again definitely not to swansea (laughs) he should never have gone to swansea in the first place i think that was probably the worst decision imaginable um if he was to go on loan i'd want to see him go to a team that is you know challenging for something 
somewhere like Lille, that's a team that's going to get picked yeah. apart fairly soon. Um, may, maybe Ajax, but I don't think that would necessarily work. <laughs> that's um, what I thought at the moment right now. Yeah, yeah it's like it, <laughs> on paper it makes so much sense, but it, you know there is kind of like, would he actually work at, at Ajax or is it going to be like two? Because he seems somebody that, that you know kind of needs to have an element of looseness maybe like he can't having something so tactically disciplined wouldn't necessarily work with him um so maybe a team like Lille when he went on loan initially I kind of wanted him to go to somewhere like Nice because they were about to get picked apart again um teams that constantly have players coming and going instantly after good seasons that's where he needs to go but I think he he should only go there if there is the guarantee that when he comes back, he does have a place because otherwise it's just wasting his time. And this is like, he's already, you know, been costed one of the most important years of his, of his life, you know, a comeback year that just didn't pan out at all. Um, Yeah. Bayern really need to decide, is this a guy that we want to keep or do we just have to admit yeah, we made a mistake on this. He's not the right player for us. Because I think he is clearly talented. The Like the 10, 15 minutes that he showed against Liverpool was enough for me to think, yeah, this guy clearly wants to be here and he wants to perform well and he wants to try. And, you know, he's got more to his game than, than Hammers does. OK, he falls short in some things, but he, you know, he when he's on the pitch, he seems to offer more in terms of uh, physicality, agility, uh, strength, pace. These are things where, you know, Bayern have players that are allegedly better than him, but for some reason he can't get ahead of it. Um, in an ideal world, I'd like to see him, you know, fight for his place and keep it because he needs to be playing week in and week out. But I, I can't see it happening, and I think it is time that Bayern just say, "Sorry, we wasted your time." Yeah, and I agree. I'd hate to see him go, but you also have to look at it from his perspective. I can see Byron approaching him, telling him that, hey, we're going to send you on loan, and him just asking just to be sold. Like, good riddance, get me out of here. You know, we tried it, it didn't work, let me move on. Um, if he does accept the loan, that would show some incredible patience uh, from, from him to keep trying to break into this Byron side. But, um, yeah, I think if we're looking for a loan, it's probably going to end up being being either we sell him or he stays. I don't. I don't see a loan being too realistic. Um, just looking at it from his perspective. Yeah, probably true. It, it's a sad kind of story this year with him, because it looked pretty good in the very beginning of the season. Those first, those first, I don't know, eight games we won or something. It looked pretty good. It, it looked like like a success story. Uh, pretty much like Nabri. But for Gnabry, it continued to work out. For him, it uh, it didn't. So, yeah, really tough. Bayern, before we, we answer the question if we're going to sell him or uh, send him away on a loan or if we're going to keep him, we need to decide what what position might he play in our system. And I think we haven't answered that question, really. We're obviously looking for wingers right now. And he's kind of played winger most of the time. That said, I don't think we really see him as an option for the future as a winger. So, yeah, what what is he for for Nico Kovac? What what is he? 
in what position do we see him go going forward? We really need to answer this question. Yeah, and it's hard to tell that when you only come in for the final, you know, 10, 15 minutes yeah. of a game, play, you know, shoehorned into a position that, you know, he never yeah. played on the wings that, I mean, he may have occasionally played as a right wing or a right midfielder in a four-four-two or something in the past, but he's absolutely not a winger. He's definitely a midfielder. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to determine that when he's only being given so much playing time. Um, and I guess that kind of mm -hmm. goes back to the appeal of Eric Ten Hag and kind of ties everything yeah. in uh, that we've been talking about. So I guess uh, we'll know a little bit more about that, especially um, once the season ends. So Bayern have two big games coming up in the next week. Uh, first against Werder Bremen, and then second also against Werder Bremen. Uh, first in the Bundesliga and second in the DFB Pokal. Um, I just have one question about this game. Tim, we'll start with you. If you had to lose the Bundesliga game or lose the DFB Pokal, which would you choose? Bundesliga. I can see Dortmund losing as well, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem if that does happen. It's it would be great to see Kovac get to you know a third successive cup final, um, so I don't want to see that go down. Um, but also, I kind of don't really want to see him get the reputation of being a cup manager, sort of in the same vein as Ancelotti. Um, I think he has some. I think he does have the ability to, you know, produce something for like a longer term uh, situation. So in that sense, yeah, I would rather lose the Bundesliga game. It's a bit of a tough question for me because really I would either want uh, the the rest of the season being very very good, or yeah, being very very bad <laughs> kind of, but still being in the Champions League. Because yeah, I would I would like to yeah have a clear decision if we're going we're going to continue with Niko Kovac or if we're not going to continue with Niko Kovac. So I guess I'd rather we win both matches or we lose both <laughs> matches. Kind of. That's not how the question so it, works. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I realize that. So I, I guess the question, I would, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if if I have to choose, I would rather lose lose the Pokal match because we don't need the Pokal as much as we need the Bundesliga. Yeah, I guess that's that's my perspective on that. Yeah, I think I'd agree with Sebastian. Um, mostly because at this point, for us to have fought, fought back so hard and uh, caught up with Borussia Dortmund, overtaken Borussia Dortmund, to lose the Bundesliga to them at this point would, would be very, you know, not necessarily heartbreaking, but disappointing. Uh, whereas losing the Pokal is just, you know, it happens. Um, but I do think you're absolutely right, Sebastian. Either, either we win out for the rest of the season or things you know, kind of take a turn for the worst. I don't want to split the games, you know, halfway win and lose or draw from here on out and us not get any answers about anything. So I'd rather head into the summer either confident in Niko Kovac and, and his position or confident that we're going to get someone new or some, you know, big changes are going to be made over the summer. Um, of course, now that we've brought it up, we know that we're going to get the third option, which is this, you know, smoking. If we don't really know what's going on, uh, and no questions will be answered. But that's all the time that we have for this week. To keep up to date with us, follow us on Twitter at SuperByronPod. You can get in touch with us there as well, or you can email us at SuperByronPod at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, pretty much all the major podcast catchers. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah.